0: Car care. Good morning and welcome. You've got Dustin Howard, Sarah Myers in the studio this morning. Sarah, how are you?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: Good. You said you had a question, so we might as well just start out with uh, the Q&A section, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Actually, you blew my mind when I was telling you that I had this mm-hmm. question. I wanted to ask you about recalls on vehicles. So I don't have a recall, I don't think, okay. on my vehicle. Okay. But I was just kind of curious how a recall becomes issued. I know that it obviously has to be a part failure or like some type of safety issue with the vehicle. But I was kind of curious how they make that call. Like, is there an amount of failures with a part like before they can make that call? Or is there like a time limit of like if this happens, like at least six months, then we'll make a recall. Like, how does that how does that work?
0: I will definitely get into that. Sarah, how did this question come up? How How did you get the question? Was it somebody texted in or something?
1: No, it was just a general question okay. that I was thinking about this morning. Oftentimes, I will see an article on mm-hmm. maybe like Fox News or just kind of scrolling through my social media where it'll be like, this is a recall and This is a recall. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if there's like a place where all all of these recalls are listed, like a website. There is. And then, then I got into that question of like, well, how does a recall happen to begin with?
0: So typically you're right. It is safety related. And usually they have to see enough of a pattern. Now, I obviously don't work for any of the big manufacturers, but once they start seeing a repetition failure safety related wise, I will say the manufacturers take it pretty doggone seriously. I don't know if you remember Sarah, the uh, there was a huge recall. I guess it was probably maybe a year, or two years ago on airbags, where there was literally I think millions of cars recalled. Yeah, I do remember that. So that was kind of a premature deployment. I think was the root cause behind that. But they pulled out all the stops and did a real good job notifying people. I'd actually had a Honda that I had for a very short time and sold and they still were notifying me about it and religiously like because I didn't go right in I kept getting mailers to say hey you know do you own this car anymore and of course I didn't at that point Um, but they wanted to get those things taken care of so typically recalls are going to be safety related there will be no charge and there's not really a time limit they do limit it eventually But it's well past what your normal three years, 36,000-mile bumper-to-bumper warranty. So it could be 10 years old and still have a recall. I can remember another time that I had a recall on a vehicle. Um, It was an F-150, and the gas tank straps had a failure problem on it where your fuel tank would fall out. And so that was something. I think that truck was probably 10 years old, and they went ahead and took care of it, recalled it, fixed it, no charge, and away we went. So The National Highway Safety, I think it's nationalhighwaysafety.org. If you Google that, I'm sure it'll be close enough to pull something up. Um, There is a way to input your VIN number in there, and it will show for active recalls. As well as a lot of times in our service bays, when you come in for whatever reason, um, we will run your VIN number, and we will trigger on recalls as well, Um, Sometimes it'll be performance-related items that they'll get it taken care of. A lot of times we'll call the the manufacturer to see if we can't get that taken care of for you folks – or direct you to do that as well. But that's a really easy way to kind of check that kind of stuff. Sarah, did you pull anything up over there? It looks like you're getting close.
1: Yeah, it is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. So you were pretty close. close. Yeah, and I'll make sure to put a link up on our podcast site awesome. as well.
0: That allows you to kind of check it on your own. They do a great job over there um, making sure and keep that up to date and current. Here's where kind of the the expectation kind of turns. So a lot of times as a manufacturer builds vehicles, they beta test them for a certain amount of time. I've talked many, many shows about that. And then they put them in production and then you and I buy them. Well, if it's safety related, they will cover it as a recall. What we see is called a technical service bulletin is a failed item or system that gives you trouble um, you know, maybe it doesn't run right, maybe it doesn't shift right, maybe it's got an electrical gremlin, etc. Um, you know, things that aren't going to cause, like, harmful damage to you as a uh, operator of the vehicle. Those typically are not covered under recall, so they're not paid for by the manufacturer. But they will put out a bulletin, and that's part of our service information. You won't just find this around on the internet. That hey, we have a known problem with whatever XYZ complaint. This is the repair for that. So, like I said, that's not n- normally covered because it's not a safety related item. Basically, there's no liability. Um, and then they make the recommendations or the updated part to satisfy an engineered problem. So, that's why I talk many, many, many shows about not buying the first generation of something. So, for instance, Um, Lots and lots of buzz about the new all-electric F-150 coming out, which I think is super cool, by the way. They've done an amazing job creating that truck and I think done a really good job keeping up with the times and the changes, etc. technology that goes into creating an all-electric pickup. Now, would I buy the first generation of that? No, I probably wouldn't do that. Here's why. They've tested that vehicle, but you're going to be their second line of testing essentially. um, And it's going to be on your dime for the most part. And, you know, typically the second generation, I usually like third generation of vehicles. We've done countless shows on that kind of stuff. Um, The 543 valve, you know, early 2004 uh, until roughly 2010. By 2010, or actually by 08, that engine had been refined very, very well. And the reason I pick on that one, obviously, I know it very intimately. Um, and I've saved tons and tons of those from folks that had uh, you know, troubles with it and not got good service. And we were able to, what I consider, fix those engineered issues and get many hundreds of thousands of more miles out of them. And we still do to this day. And I can continue to do that with many, many cars out there, uh, you know, depending on what it is you're driving and the the issues you're seeing. My point is, is by the third redesign of that to say, hey, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. we fixed this, this, and that. Now I got a good vehicle. So you want to make sure that your hard-earned money is getting you the best product that you can get. So whenever you see these big redesigns come out and this new, all new, you know, whatever, it's not always an exterior. I'm talking mainly about, you know, the drivetrain, which would be engine, transmission, you know, etc. You don't want to be that beta test person. Or if you do, understand that it's going to come with you're on the cutting edge, you got the latest and greatest new thing, but it's not always going to be trouble-free. You know, when you look at ownership satisfaction, um, You can always see when they've got something right or they don't have it right because, oh my, is it bad when they miss it. I mean, when you think about manufacturers making, you know, thousands and millions of cars out there, and as many of them get sold a year, it takes a while for those flaws to start start showing up. And a lot of times you're the one that ends up with those. I think they do a pretty good job kind of trying to work out the kinks and it gets better and better and better. But as the CAFE standards, which would be the fuel economy standards the government puts out there, gets more strict and basically they push that MPG, the miles per gallon, up drastically. And it's, it's going to keep going. The manufacturers have to really start pushing things. So you get thinner oil, you get more electrical, communication network issues, etc., that you have to be able to service or get to the bottom of the problems. Otherwise, you've got a paperweight out there in the driveway. And nobody wants to have a $50,000 paperweight. I don't care how wealthy you are. I'm sure of that. I don't care if you're Mr. Trump himself. If, he, if he's got a large investment that's not performing well, he's going to get rid of it, do something different, and go on about his day and cross that off his list is not a viable option. So that is the biggest thing that's going on. So if you have a recall, you can definitely get to the bottom of it. The manufacturer will take you seriously and will take it. You don't have to be the first, second, or third owner. It doesn't matter how many people have owned that, by the way. I get that question from time to time. What if I'm not the first owner? On recall stuff, it does not matter. It's got to be taken care of because they have deemed it as a safety risk. If it's not a safety problem and it's still, you know, giving you fits in other avenues, you may have to pay for that out of pocket if you're out of the bumper-to-bumper warranty period. But a lot of times they have notated a repeat or habitual failure, and we refer to that in our service information as a technical service bulletin from the manufacturer. That's a big part, you know, no different than when you go to the doctor. They've got tons of you know, medical history, et cetera. That's our version of that. And we, as technology gets better, it's not always bad. I don't want to always pick on technology as being a bad thing. It's not. I embrace it. I hope everybody out there does as well. It does some really cool things, but allows us to give basically medical history on the vehicle, on the car line that's having issues, who manufactured the part, what's wrong with them, and then more importantly, because everybody out there can identify problems, we want to find the solution to those problems, the problem-solving part of it. We need to take our first break. We're going to talk about stolen catalytic converters after we come back. It's a little too loud to talking here And your eyes are saying you want to disappear Well, I know a place and I know somebody Somebody with a gas of truck sitting right outside All right, welcome back. We're going to go into some discussion on stolen catalytic converters. Now, I have talked about this unfortunately more times than I'd actually like to here on the show. Um, We have our, our roots are custom exhaust, A1 custom car care. That is where we started there across from Bass Pro for 40 plus years. Obviously, we've got some new. Um, It was a Seaberg location, by the way, in case you're like, there was no A1 Custom there. It was a Seaberg. That was kind of part of our family, if you will. And, you know, custom exhaust, I love doing custom exhaust. We do performance applications. Um, Jason and I, which is my lead tech there at our Ford Street location, did a really cool dual job on a Mustang yesterday. So that's our bread and butter. We love doing that. Really enjoy it. Honestly, it's kind of a little different service than just fixing broken cars. You know, that's that cool factor. And so as emissions came in, you know, obviously we were custom exhaust shop. We got into doing and dealing with emissions for, you know, 40 plus years. It keeps getting more important, more stringent as we go along. And unfortunately the criminals out there have identified it. Now I was a little hesitant to even talk about this because I didn't want to put the information out there, but I realized that the dirt bags already have the information. So I ought to at least share some of this for the regular hardworking folks out there, not to necessarily hopefully prevent being a victim to thieves. And what triggered kind of this discussion or thought is they did an article here in the News Leader. Um, it was July 20th is when this article, so it's been you know a couple weeks back. Uh, but basically the long and short of it and the little subtitle, there's a photo, and I'll do my best to describe it, of a home, and it's in San Bernardino, California. Now, I realize that's all the way across the country, but this is happening right here in our backyard as well. But the law enforcement out there was able to identify these folks, and they have pulled all the catalytic converters out of the house, and they have them stacked like cordwood right out front of the door. And it reads, about 400 suspected stolen catalytic converters were discovered when we searched a home or a residence in march of this year in san bernardino california now what does that mean to you all well each one of those converters is thousands of dollars worth of damage sometimes you know in the thousand dollar range or you know maybe in that area sometimes multiple thousands of dollars depending on the year make and model whether it's a low emission vehicle and how much collateral damage was inflicted on the vehicle from the thieves so not only are thieves the you know the scum on your boot if you will in my opinion but they are typically hacks as well and so they will damage wiring harnesses oxygen sensors and anything else in the vicinity because typically they're doing it on their back sometimes with a vehicle jacked up and in a rush trying to steal them before they get caught. So as I look at this photo here and over 400 catalytic inverters, they're basically melting them down and selling them for scrap. They found some unscrupulous core buyer who will buy them, no questions asked. And, um, you know, a lot of these are obvious. I can tell from looking at them that they were not um, removed by a skilled repairman, Because of the way that they were cut and butchered off of there, which when you bring them into the shop, we do our very best to keep the cost down as much as possible, but they're expensive. You know, the parts are what the parts cost and then do our best to get you taken care of because we take no joy in fixing somebody's vandalized vehicle. We take a ton of joy in fixing broken cars. I've shared that with you all many times. I absolutely love fixing or getting to the bottom of a problem that somebody's been experiencing, um, and I'm surrounded by a a group of folks that take that and enjoy it just as much as I do, that's super cool. But when you bring one in and it's been butchered like that, we do take a lot of pride in getting it back on the road, getting it back fixed like it should have been, uh, but that's not necessarily what we're about. We do that just to make sure and keep your vehicle going for you. So when you have these folks targeting certain makes and models. And that's really what it comes down to. If you have a fleet of higher profile vehicles, you need to be real careful about them. Um, There was a fleet here recently, we fixed, I think, almost 10 of their vans that was targeted. And I believe they got them all in one night. So they're targeting the vehicles that are easy pickings as well as they're targeting vehicles that they have figured out that the price is very, very high. Um, So if you've got a Toyota Prius, you need to be as proactive as possible. If you have dogs, definitely key in and listen. If if they start barking, you definitely need to, to take that seriously. If you have a garage and you have a target vehicle, um higher profile trucks as well that are easy to get under, you really need to make sure if there's any way to get it inside or under cover, you need to do that because I guarantee it'll be worth your while if you need to clean out your garage to get your car or truck in there and it will fit. I strongly urge you to do that um because you know a lot of people think crime happens in you know the the bad part of town or the uh the you know the 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 lower income area of town. These folks are are wise enough that they know that, you know, a little bit of gas money and they drive and target somewhere, typically they're not going to target the folks that live right on their same block. It's worth driving, you know, to a job site or to a fleet or, you know, seeing a vehicle that's going to pay really well. And so they will make the trip and, and the necessary tools to get that. So if you can keep it inside, do so. Um, fences are great, but you know, if they're willing to cut the catalytic converter off your car, they're willing to cut through the fence. So you got that damage as well. Um, the reason the article was written, it says Mike Parson recently signed into law, a bill that makes the theft of a catalytic converter, a felony as of August 28th. So right now it's still a misdemeanor, but as of August 28th of 2020, that will be a felony. And it will be a Class E felony, which is the lowest of the five levels of felony in Missouri. It's still able to have four years in jail or prison and up to a $10,000 fine um, for hopefully some consequences uh, that pushes the, you know, hey, this isn't the juice isn't worth the squeeze, basically. Now, the only thing that really concerns me a little bit is if you put a big fat find out there and the guy's a thief like this, it's going to motivate more stealing, which is a super, I mean, it's just ridiculous in my opinion. So I'm glad they're taking this more seriously. Um, But you as the owner of these vehicles, hopefully we're being as proactive as possible. So you know, like I said, if you can park it inside, if you have a motion light or install a motion light, um, there was a video out there recently that I saw, and I think this was actually videoed in California as well. But they um, were, it was during the day, they were driving a ratty old minivan, and there was three or four guys in there. Um, they were targeting a Prius, which was one of the number one um, targeted vehicles that's out there right now. And they had jacked up the vehicle, and the neighbors came outside and started videoing it. And I'm sure if you Google this, it'll pull up. But basically, they're videoing it, and they they don't even stop. They keep trying to steal it on video. Now, they had kind of like a baklava or, you know, a little uh, bandana over their face to try and hide their identity. But eventually, finally, they got spooked enough, and they got back in the van. They left their saws all. They left uh, the jack, the vehicle still jacked up at this point, and then they fled the scene. But there's no telling how many of them that they got away with, and I'm sure this is fueling or fueled by their drug addiction. Um, I can almost guarantee most folks that have the scruples or the character that allows them to go out and steal from people, it's it's paying for their drug addictions, and that's pretty ridiculous in my opinion. So, Um, Recently, this happened here in Springfield. Um, There's a fleet that uh, was targeted. They set off the alarm. They had a wheelbarrow full of catalytic converters here in town. This happened this week. They set off the alarm and then fled, leaving all of their loot behind. Uh, But that's pretty crazy. What do you think about all that, Sarah?
1: I mean, it is insane. And I know that this has been an ongoing issue in the Springfield area. I didn't know about that. But I did know that there was a school that had been targeted. (laughs) And they had been taking um, parts off of their van and I believe their school buses. And they have been a target not once but two or three times. And that is just absolutely
0: awful. We do a fair amount of fleet service, and we've had fleets, unfortunately, in that same boat. And as a small business owner, even a medium to large business owner, if you get, you know, stolen catalytic converters several times, that's not an expense that you're planning on. This last time, they actually poked a hole in the fuel tank and stole the gas out of this, their vans. <laughs> gas isn't that high yet. I mean, it's higher than I'd like it to be, but is that not, not crazy.
1: People are awful.
0: Yeah, what would you do, Sarah, if you got up tomorrow morning and you started your car and it sounded like a drag car with no exhaust on it?
1: I mean, I, I would can already be so mad.
0: I can I already see your blood pressure going up I like know. try it. Bring I... it.
1: Would be so angry. I mean, especially whenever I work at the butt crack of dawn. Yeah. I mean, anything that would go wrong with my vehicle mm-hmm. in in of itself is just scary to think of. Yep. But then to think of somebody intentionally doing mm-hmm. something is just, oh, it does. It makes me frustrated.
0: Well, not only will they target the schools, but I've seen them target churches, mm-hmm. um, some of the uh, relief groups that are around Springfield. It's just unbelievable, the folks that they'll target. But we're down at the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a break for a moment. Sarah and I will be back in a moment. It makes me want to take a back road. We've got Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car care. care, joined with Miss Sarah Myers. Talking about some thieves, some lowlifes. It's just ridiculous. can't believe this. So they have busted some folks here in the Springfield area, by the way. So huge thank you to our Springfield PD. And I would imagine some of the county officers as well. Definitely need to put it out there that uh, this is not okay. I I did have, so this happened a few years ago. Uh, A friend of mine was working at a used car dealership, and he had his personal vehicle for sale kind of across the street. It was at the corner of Sunset and Campbell, actually, so it was here in town. And
1: that's a decent area, too. Yeah,
0: decent area, lots of traffic. Mm -hmm. So he's selling cars. And he's keeping an eye on his car and he sees somebody looking at it. He's like, all right. And this is the middle of the day, mind you. So he gets his, he had binoculars there. Not sure why he had that, but whatever. So he's looking across the intersection, sees a guy stop, guy disappears. He's like, hmm, what in the world's going on? So he goes over there. The guy's under his car, middle of the day, like three in the afternoon cutting his catalytic converter off of his Suburban that he was selling. This it gets even better, Sarah. So the guy gets out and chases him into traffic with the Sawzall. It is insane. Yeah, seriously. Oh, my goodness. And, and, you know, this dude's probably in his mid-30s or so, good physical shape, you know, chases him into traffic trying to get him with that Sawzall mm-hmm. blade. Like, this is f- absolutely absurd. So the guy gets in the car, drives off, you know, flees the scene. I'm sure they did a, a report. Where I came into this is he had made some cuts in this system, and so I was able to weld it back up. And thankfully, the guy wasn't out all this money to replace stolen converters on a vehicle that he was trying to sell. Yeah. Is that absurd? So it gets even better. Unfortunately, I have more stories about this. So very nice young lady comes into the, the shop. She had a Honda SUV of some kind. And she had had it listed for sale. A couple of folks that were a little shady came and looked at it. The very next day, she gets in it, starts it up. Catalytic converter has gone. She swears that they were, like, casing her vehicle and came back and stole it over the night.
1: You know, that might be a thing, especially if it's because that one was for sale. It was for sale, So maybe that's a thing where if they see a vehicle setting for a certain amount of time—
0: Yep, that's a good point. This one, she had listed it, I think, on a marketplace of some kind, and they targeted her off of that. Wow. Is that not nuts? That is nuts. I just, I can't believe people. So like, I think about how much effort I get up and I put into work. I'm mm-hmm. sure you, you're the same way. I can tell how you conduct yourself here. You know, it's not, this isn't just a job, you know, we all got to work. I get that. But you put all that effort into being productive. Well, it's amazing to me that people would put that much conniving effort into, like, casing the the vehicle or whatever. And and it just, I, I cannot, I don't have the ability to wrap my mind around that.
1: Can you imagine if people like that took all of that time and effort and then put it into, like, being productive yeah. at work? I mean, yeah, <laughs> seriously. It's a, it's a
0: crazy idea, I know. I mean, it's just nuts. Not to mention how short, you know, a lot of skilled industries are, or even unskilled, just regular general labor industries, on people that would just show up for work and do a little bit for them. Yeah, it just blows me away that they'll they'll you know, not have a real job that's adding to society. That they're basically just sucking the life out of hardworking people.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. That is awful.
0: Yeah. So I'm sharing these experiences with you out there. Hopefully this prevents or at least gives you some awareness that this is the real deal. You know, you think you go home or you think you go to work and it's a safe environment. Um, You go to church, you know, that happens as well. Um, When scrap was really, really high a few years ago, you know, a lot of them, they were stealing the air conditioning units outside of businesses and homes. Mm -hmm. I know we actually got hit. They didn't get the unit mainly because we have good neighbors around our shops, and they scared them off. Uh, I know our neighbors at, at different locations; they were stealing our scrap and got the called the police and got them arrested.
1: You know, we actually had this issue not too long ago. This was the first of summer. Mm-hmm. We had somebody trying to steal wiring out of our AC, and yeah. we live in a very quiet little. Yep neighborhood all of our neighbors are you know relatively older Mm -hmm. they're very nice though and they all look out Mm -hmm. and they didn't get away with our wiring but you could tell that they had really mangled some of it and then probably got spooked off but oh
0: well and that that kind of goes into knowing your neighbors you know we live in in a time where you know everybody's dialed into their phone or you know so busy they don't you know, you need to take a moment and, and you know, have those relationships and rapport. Um, there, you know, I managed the Fort Street location for many years. Uh, Miss Macy does it now, does a heck of a job. She's one of my favorite people. But we always made a focus to be a part of our neighborhood. You know, I, we don't do lawnmower repair, so please don't bring me a bunch of lawnmowers. But, um, you know, for our folks that were regular customers right there, it wouldn't be uncommon to see me working on your lawnmower's just as a courtesy for our neighbor, our neighbors. Well, in turn, because we're a part of our neighborhoods, they look out for the buildings when we're not there. Now we do have security systems on them, and and that's just part of the day and age. But that security system doesn't beat knowing your neighbors, hands down. And you know, I encourage you all to do that: know the name, wave, etc. You know, exchange numbers and watch out for them. Uh, our folks across the street—they don't live there anymore. They've moved, um, but I can remember a point that I knew their their habits enough that when it started getting cold, they got their big RV out and they went to Florida. Well, I watched them leave one day. I knew what they were doing, and uh, their garage door was open. Well, it would have been open for a long, long time. Yeah, <laughs> they were going to Florida, so I went over there, um, closed the door for them, and you know they came back a few weeks later. And they asked, they said, hey, and I said, yeah, I took care of it. They were so appreciative of that. Uh, but it, as, as the same, um, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, et cetera. You know, when we had somebody messing around, they didn't hesitate. They knew our schedule, they knew whether somebody was supposed to be there, and they watched out for our shops. That's really important. It's, and I'm sure you have that here as well. You guys have a great facility. You know, um, you're surrounded by a lot of great businesses. Fellers Fixtures right next door. I think it's maybe a. Springfield Grocers now, but I worked there as a kid. Did you know
1: that? Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, when I was going through trade school, I was a uh, just a delivery labor, you know, general contractor mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, there, uh, the fellers don't own it anymore. They sold it out. But they, you couldn't ask for better neighbors than than were there you know, for 20 or 30 years. Have you ever been in there, by the way?
1: I have, actually. We went in there um, probably a year ago, right before they sold. Yep. Just because I didn't know what it was. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in there and see what that what is. What did you
0: think of their showroom?
1: I mean, it was very nice. Oh, my. Yeah. And they
0: got, if you're into culinary stuff, they got it. It is yeah. super, duper Anything
1: cool. that you could possibly want.
0: Yeah. And great folks, family owned and operated for a long, long time. And, and now I guess it has changed hands. I haven't been in there yet. But awesome folks. I noticed they put up a big fence. I wonder why they did that.
1: Um, who knows? But you know, we've obviously got our fence here too. That's right. Yep. And we've we've had issues have in the you? past. I did not know that. Yes, uh, somebody actually broke into the KSGF jeep. What? Yeah, like it was probably like four years ago. So there is a reason why all of our vehicles uh-huh. are where they are now. But yeah, somebody smashed one of our windows.
0: People are crazy. Yeah, they need to have, get something better to do. We spend or have spent a lot of time there in St. Louis, and I noticed I drove by a church there, and I thought it was kind of interesting. They had a very small, um, very well-built chain link structure that completely encased their van. It was just big enough for their van. And I'm like, what? What? But everywhere I drove around, if they didn't have a garage or some way to put their vehicles up, they had that was like a thing there in St. Louis that it was just big enough that you could back it in there, pull it in there, open the door, and walk out and lock it up. But I'm sure they had to do that in order to keep that vehicle um, from just being vandalized and, and useless at that point. Right. But It just blew me away that that was a necessity to have to do that. It's it just absurd. Absolutely absurd. But I've talked a lot about kind of bummer stuff today, haven't I?
1: Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) I know. But hey, this is like this is helpful, especially for people that may even have a vehicle that doesn't get moved around quite a bit. This is just a friendly reminder of hey, get out there, check your vehicle, move it around.
0: Yeah, absolutely, great point. The the last thing, and I will put this subject to bed. Um, A lot of shops out there that don't do exhaust work. They don't have the ability to do a repair on a system. What they have to do is order the pieces, and a lot of times they're more or bulky pieces that don't need to be changed, but they don't have the ability to weld and fabricate. Um, What we do to keep the cost down as much as possible is on most vehicles, I can build those sections that had been damaged, And I don't have to order all those unnecessary pieces and I can fix what's there or what's still left there. So hopefully that helps out there. Um, We won't hopefully talk about any more stolen stuff through the rest of the show. But we do need to take a break and we will be right back after this. All right. Welcome back. A1 Custom Car Care. You've got Dustin and Sarah here in the studio. we got a little bit of time left. Sarah, I know we do most of your service work. Prior to that, well, I guess we pretty much, have we been doing most of your service work since very shortly after you started driving?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I did go to another shop okay. before you guys, and they were fantastic. They were okay. in my hometown, nice. and it wasn't anything. I would trust them if... You guys were on vacation and your shop was closed magically. I would still trust them.
0: Well, and I hope this is conveyed through the show. It doesn't have to be A1 Custom Car Care. If you have a good shop and they're doing good work, that's what the show's about. Yeah. I support them 150%. And there's a lot of times, you know, shops that are of that caliber will work together. You know, hey, I got this problem here. I don't, you know, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I need this specialty tool. That's not uncommon. Yeah. There's plenty of broken cars out there and we want to make sure that you know as a level you know the industry is getting better and better and better and better because you know in the years past everybody thought you know that this was kind of a pirate industry is that fair you think yeah, that makes sense yeah i think
1: i think that there was definitely a
0: bunch of shysters
1: <laughs> there was some misconceptions yes. um because you know it came out like a are you guys going to jip us mm-hmm. or can we trust you? Yes. And then you guys had to really jump over that barrier yeah. of like, hey, we are just as worried about fixing your vehicle mm-hmm. and telling you pricing and things like that. We want it to be fixed yeah. and
0: affordable. And, and our goal has been to make more people a part of that process. And that way you can see what we see, whether you're there or not, we'll send it to you in a digital format, text message, email, et cetera. And then, you know, document before and after so you kind of know things happen. You know, sometimes we do a repair and we get a bad outcome. We get a bad part. You know, it's how we handle ourselves when that happens. And that we take very, very seriously. The reason that I bring all this up is I had a very interesting um, Darren, which is a top shelf technician, was able to get to the bottom of this. It's really cool. I consider myself a very uh, high level technician. Hopefully that doesn't sound too arrogant. Um, I always have this philosophy, it's not arrogance, if you can back it up. (laughs) That even makes it more arrogant. But I am part of a a, a set of folks that, honestly, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. We've got some awesome, awesome, high-caliber folks. And Darren was able to get this one taken care of. So this was a high-end vehicle. It was a stop-start vehicle. And what, what that means, if you don't have one of those vehicles, that as you come up to a stop sign, the vehicle feels like it actually dies; it shuts off, and then the moment you take your foot off the brake and slide over to the gas pedal, the vehicle very quickly restarts and takes off. And hopefully, you don't notice too much of a time lag. So, in this instance, um, the previous owner of the vehicle, to give you a little backstory on it, had taken it to a big box part store, and I know I pick on a lot of the big box part stores but it's because they're not focused on their main objective, which is selling parts. They dabble in light repair, and then I get to deal with the consequences, which is really frustrating. So in this instance, they had a battery put in, which is pretty straightforward on most cars. The late model cars, it's not, and especially on a stop-start car, it's not. Now, I've had them hooked up backwards and fry other issues, But in this instance, they didn't get it hooked up correctly, and it disabled the stop-start feature. So the owner, at the time, took it in, couldn't get it figured out. So they ended up trading it into a dealer. Can you imagine having to trade your car off and not know what's wrong with it? It is just absurd. So the used car dealer got it. They have an in-house service uh, center. They weren't familiar with this car line. So they ended up subletting it to us, which happens fairly regularly, and that's fine. We've got great relationships with many, many dealers around the town, new and pre-owned. So it took us a while to figure it out, but Darren did a heck of a job and figured out that they had the stop-start feature hooked up backwards from the battery. And it took many hours to figure it out, but we got it figured out. We got it back to the the used car dealer. They're reconditioning it now and going to put it out for sale. But these folks, unfortunately, ended up trading off a car that I'm pretty sure was paid for because of this um, malpractice, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and that's such, I mean, it sounds like such a simple Mm -hmm. issue. And I mean, think about all of the steps that had to go through that. I mean, trading it in and all of the hours spent trying to fix it. It was a simple solution.
0: So the way Darren was able to figure it out is it's a very intricate, very busy wiring setup for the stop start feature. And he had to go through each pin by pin by pin by pin Ugh. and find out that they ended up having uh, a component that should have been powered over on the ground side. And inside the wiring harness, we were able to isolate that we had ground instead of power. Now it's, you know, sounds simple, But by the time you run out all these pins and locate them on a car, very difficult locations, get them accurately figured out, and then trace the wiring back to see if it was pinched, if maybe at some point service it chafed or rubbed a hole in it, and then figure out that they had it on the wrong terminal. Um, That took many hours. We probably had a day's worth of time running out that whole system. There's not a lot of shops and technicians that have the capability to do that effectively. You know, I've said it many times, we are not the best guesser in town. And unfortunately, that's what gives this industry a bad name a lot, is, oh, the last 10 red cars, this is what's wrong with it, so I'm going to throw this part at it. The, The thing that separates the men from the boys, if you will, is the folks that can really prove, and I cannot stress that enough, they have the equipment, the training, and the skilled hands and the dedication to getting to the root problem as a, a consumer of any industry out there. So if I call one of our mechanical companies, plumbing, electrical, etc., if I talk to somebody in the legal field, medical field, etc., I want somebody that's going to get to the root cause of the problem. I don't want them to just guess at what's going on because guessing is expensive. So in this instance, guessing is what got, uh, you know, basically they created the issue. I guess guessing isn't the right issue or the right diagnosis, but um, they didn't have folks that really understood and paid attention to detail. So they got the battery installed incorrectly. Thank God it didn't fry any of the computers in there, which is a very common problem If you get somebody trying to jumpstart a car incorrectly or install a battery incorrectly, I've seen it many times, unfortunately, over years. And in this case, it went through many technicians before it ended up uh, at one of our facilities. We had the equipment, the training, and the dedication to get to the root problem. We were able to fix it and get it back to the dealer. And a good vehicle, whoever ends up with this vehicle is going to get a great vehicle. I'm really proud of being a part of that, and the ability for us as a team to work through that and get to the bottom of it is what is important out there. You know, we as a company continue to reinvest in equipment, attract amazing new talent, and, uh, you know, like I said, not being the smartest person in the room is not a bad thing. You know, the old saying that if you are the smartest person in the room, you should find a, a bigger room, a better room. Um, and continue to grow and get better and better and better. I never want to be a part of anything that what I consider stagnates or, oh, you know, we know enough. We don't need to learn anymore. We're not getting any better. We are all the experts, et cetera, et cetera. You're only the expert if you continue to get better and better every day because the industry will continue to get more challenging and challenging and challenging, and you can't just be good enough. That's not adequate. That's not something that's going to get us by or give you good service. You know, we run into challenges every day. Things don't always go right, but it's how you deal with those challenges and and your awareness or ability to self-reflect that, hey, you know, that didn't go very well. How do I not get in this situation or how do I do better next time? That really is what the magic sauce is, if you will, behind some very successful people or industries throughout the world. That's the difference is just being able to weather those storms and really embrace those ugly, tough situations that most people fold up shop on. And, you know, they leave you stranded or they leave you, you know, they're not trying to continuously work through those problems. That's really the difference. And we've got some great folks. I'm so blessed. And hopefully, wherever it is that you get your service work done, that's what they're about as well. Because we're not the only ones out there. There's a ton of people out there that do that as well. I brought out the soapbox, didn't I, Sarah?
1: You did, but hey. Yeah. It was pretty good. Well, I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> you know, I really enjoy what I do. You also reflect or, uh, you know, radiate that as well. You enjoy that, you know, the studio, et cetera. You know, it, you can kind of feel the vibe of a business when you come in there or, you know, we were talking off air about some of the maybe the the radio personalities or artists that you've uh, been able to meet and deal with over the years. Mm-hmm. They all have their own vibe as well. I'm sure yes. you feel that, you know. Um, There was an up-and-coming kind of star. You were able to see this last week, and I can tell that he had a good vibe, even though I wasn't in the room with you on that
1: deal. Oh, yeah. He was fantastic.
0: That is super cool.
1: Yeah. Well, we do have a couple of minutes here, so I am going to tease our show for next week. Awesome. So earlier this morning, there was a list released of used cars, and we have talked about this quite a bit. And, you know, prices have skyrocketed. Of course, there's like a shortage happening right now with vehicles. Well, there is a list of vehicles that have increased a significant amount. So next week we're going to be sharing that. And of course, if you are out there and you have a car question, mm-hmm. doesn't matter how big or small, you can send it over to us. Our phone number is 447 5743. You can shoot us a text message and we'll get it on air for you. That's and awesome. you can also reach out to us on the KSGF Facebook page,
0: which you monitor that very closely. And I that's do. super cool. So, you know, it, it, it get your questions in here. We always have things we want to talk about. Um, but if you've got something you want us to talk about and kind of shed some light on things that's automotive related or sometimes we stretch it a little bit, we definitely will. So there Sarah, thank you so much. I hope you have a great weekend.
1: you too. so yeah.